Today, we're talking about uncomfortable things. As adults, we often avoid uncomfortable things. Sometimes the same uncomfortable things that we push our kids towards doing. We know that working through discomfort brings resilience. In this episode, we're talking about opportunities to do just that, starting with us, but also for our kids. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for tuning in. Danae here. You may have noticed that we have moved to a monthly schedule on the podcast rather than weekly. It's all part of my master plan to move to a more present in-person life and move away from an online life. It's been about 18 months since I phased out social media almost entirely, and I have kept the podcast because I do really enjoy it. But now I'm spending most of my time doing in-person work as a therapist And of course, spending a lot of time with my kids who are seven and almost 10 and still really need a lot from me. So today we are talking about uncomfortable things. I thought about titling this episode, Hard Things, but then I realized that uncomfortable was a better way to describe some of the things that I've been thinking about and wanted to talk about today. Before we get into this episode, I want to pause for a one minute word from today's sponsor, PrepDish. PrepDish is a meal planning service. It's not a meal kit. They don't actually send food to your house. Instead, what you're signing up for is a PDF that arrives in your inbox. That PDF is split into three parts. The first part is the ingredient list. I order my groceries online, so I use that ingredient list to add everything to my cart. The second part is the prep day list. It's a very simple streamlined list of all the things that you do in advance So it's quick and easy to get the food on the table on dish day, the day you actually serve it. I get a lot of people that ask, well, what if I don't like some of the meals? There's an easy solution for that. Each of the meals are numbered. Often I'll choose to only make three out of the five meals. So if I'm making meals number one, two, and five, I just cross off all the ingredients and all the steps for meals three and four. Takes like one minute. That's a long way of saying I pick and choose the things that I think my family is going to enjoy the most. If you want to give it a try, go to PrepDish.com forward slash families to get two weeks free. That's PrepDish.com forward slash families. All right, so moving into our conversation today, which is uncomfortable things. I've been thinking a lot about comfort lately. I live a very comfortable life, a very privileged life. But as with anyone, young or old, There are things that make us feel uncomfortable. And one thing that I am always struggling with as a parent is which of those uncomfortable things that I should push my kids to work through versus let them off the hook for. We know that working through discomfort can and will create resilience. I've been thinking a lot about comfort for the past 
two years. And this really started when we got a new car about two years ago. You know, when I was growing up in a small town in the snow belt in Ohio, it was very, very cold in the winter. And I remember getting in the car in the mornings and just shivering, waiting for the car to warm up. I have lots of memories, uncomfortable memories of being so, so cold outside in the winter as a child. So when we got this new car two years ago, not only does it have remote start, like from my phone, I can actually heat up the car, but I can also cool down the car in the summer, which seems like a great thing, right? Especially if you live somewhere like Texas, like we used to, and getting into the car in the summer is just as uncomfortable as getting into the car in the winter in Ohio. I used this feature on the car a couple times when we first got it, and it didn't take long for my kids to start requesting it, right? It was a hot day, and we were walking towards the car, and they're asking me, oh, did you cool it down? And usually the answer was no, because I didn't even think about cooling the car down before I approached it. But these frequent requests for the car to be temperature controlled before they got into it gave me pause. Because I know from my own life experience and from my work that we have to get uncomfortable to grow. So I don't control the temperature in the car anymore. All of us, we get in the car, whether it's cold, whether it's hot, and we cope. Which, spoiler alert, is also uncomfortable for me. And as an adult, I don't really like to be uncomfortable any more than my kids like to be uncomfortable. And there's no doubt in the coming years as technology continues to improve that there are going to be ample opportunities to avoid discomfort in many different ways. As parents, it can be really hard to know when we should nudge our kids towards these uncomfortable things. A couple times a year, our local Parks and Recreation Department with our town puts out this brochure of different activities and classes that they offer in the local parks and in the neighborhood. And not infrequently, I will sign my kids up for something without asking them because, you know, I think it's going to be good for them. So it might be a six-week basketball class or a four-week clay class, some sort of new skill that they can be introduced in a low-cost, short-term type of way. Maybe they'll love it, maybe they'll hate it. Who knows? So I would say most of the time when I sign them up for something like this, they will complain, and then it ends up being fine. But we have to get through that complaining period at the beginning. So this fall, when the brochure went out, instead of signing my kids up for something, I signed myself up for something. So I signed myself up for a six-week beginner tennis class. A little background on me and my tennis skills. Well, they're non-existent. My athletic skills are mostly non-existent. I played volleyball in eighth grade, and I sat on the bench 90% of the time. I think that I did a little bit of tennis in junior high in gym class, but that's about it. And so I've been looking at my thought process around signing up for this class because this is something that is uncomfortable for me, but it's something that I ask my kids to do all the time. And I think that I have some newfound empathy for them. 
So when I found the class, the first thing that I did was reach out to a friend and ask if she would do it with me so I didn't have to do it by myself because the idea of making new friends is a little bit overwhelming. And when I asked this friend, I also asked her if she knew how to play tennis and she didn't. So she was a true beginner just like me. So not only did I want to make sure that I had a friend there, that I knew someone that made me feel more comfortable. But I also needed to know that by and large, I wasn't going to be the absolute worst person there, which, you know, I was, but that's okay. And then I still found a reason to skip the first week of class. It was a pretty good reason, but I would say the biggest reason that I skipped was because it was uncomfortable going that first week, putting myself out there, learning a new skill, meeting new people feeling totally incompetent, trying new things. Well, all of this was out of my comfort zone. So the second week I went and it turned out there were four women there, including me, and all of us are true beginners. And tennis has a pretty low barrier to entry. So even though I was the person with the lowest skill level there, I could hit the ball a little bit. And it was fun. So now I'm looking forward to going back next week. Summer has come to an end and we have started a very rainy, wet fall, which is always a great time to pull out a box from KiwiCo. Our sponsor for today, KiwiCo, delivers monthly science and art projects that turn curiosity into creativity. From creating giant bubbles to experimenting with ice cream, kids learn in a seriously fun, hands-on way. We recently used a box to make a kaleidoscope with things from nature. It was fun and fascinating to see the things that we could do with these little mirror panels. So cultivate your child's natural creativity and curiosity with new hands-on projects every month. These are real engineering, science, and art projects for kids. Have an awesome fall with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code simple at kiwico.com. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com with the promo code simple. Back in episode 298, we talked about accommodation and how we all accommodate our kids' anxiety, which in short is letting them off the hook for doing things that make them uncomfortable. I'm anxious about driving on the highway, so my husband drives. He accommodates my anxiety. You can find that episode at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 298. And in episode 318, simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 318, I interviewed Dr. Ellie Leibowitz. And in that interview, we talk about using a combination of support and confidence especially when we're choosing our words with our kids. So when they're feeling nervous or uncomfortable about something, offering support, I know this is hard for you, plus confidence, but I'm 100% sure that you can do it. Or I know this feels uncomfortable, but I know you can handle it. So this combination of support and confidence can be really successful at getting our kids to push through discomfort. And I also find that it's really successful using it on myself as a mantra. This is uncomfortable, but I can handle it. 
and when it comes to uncomfortable situations. I think that's the best tool that we can offer our kids. As parents, especially as mothers, we want to be fixers and we want solutions to help make our kids' problems go away. But if they build resilience through facing discomfort and working through that discomfort, our job is to support them in that process. So when they're worried about trying out that new class, about not knowing anyone there, about being, quote unquote, the worst one there, you don't have to bend over backwards trying to control for all of that discomfort. Because showing up, not knowing anyone, maybe being one of the lesser skilled people there, is part of their growth. So instead of trying to control all of those variables to make it more successful, try offering the supportive statement with confidence. I know this isn't easy, but I'm 100% confident that you can handle it. So in addition to the supportive statement, we have to model these things ourselves. And clearly, since I haven't done something like this in a very long time, I'm not modeling it enough. So the evening after my first tennis class, I told my son, guess what? I started a tennis class today. And then I just kind of got quiet. And he asked, so how'd you do? And I said, funny you should ask. I was actually the worst one there. And he said, so are you going to do it again? And I said, yeah, it was still pretty fun. And there's nowhere to go but up from here. So this conversation felt important because both of my kids have expressed in recent months that one of the sports or activities that they do, that they feel like they're one of the lesser skilled people there and that that makes it feel less fun or less enjoyable. And maybe there's some truth to that, but we're always all constantly sizing ourselves up. So it's an important factor to consider, but being one of the lesser skilled people also doesn't rule out the fact that we could still have fun and enjoy ourselves and maybe grow a little in the process. You know, one of the things that comes to mind as being uncomfortable is having hard conversations, having uncomfortable conversations. A lot of the parents I work with struggle with this, and I get a lot of people coming to me saying, how do I talk to them about this? Should I talk to my kids about this? And sometimes I'll give them some bullet points to get started. But often my advice is just to lead with honesty. Because often kids know much more than we think they know. Both of my kids get special education services for different challenges at school. And having that conversation with them, that ongoing conversation about what that means, is really uncomfortable. In the case of one child, they go to a specialized school where all of the kids have similar disabilities, but I have very very plainly laid that out to explain that. In essence, saying this is a school for kids who learn differently, who need smaller classes, and need extra support. You know, because if I didn't have that conversation, somebody else is going to have that conversation. They're going to figure it out if they haven't already figured it out. And by not talking about it, It feels a bit like we're keeping it a secret, like it's something we can't talk about. It's something shameful. So I try to be as open as possible. My other child receives pull-out services in school, so gets pulled out a couple times a week. 
for extra intervention in a mainstream school. And it is a hard conversation to explain you're being pulled out to work one-on-one because you need a special type of instruction. It's harder for you to learn how to read. I think putting those things into words to my kids was uncomfortable. But the thing is, they almost always already know these uncomfortable things. They just don't quite have a construct to understand it or to process it. So the kid that gets pulled out a couple times a week knows there's other kids in the class reading bigger books with smaller words, reading more fluently. So they've already sized themselves up. It's important to have these uncomfortable conversations so that we don't have to whisper about these things. When we do end up whispering about these things, again, it makes it seem like something we should feel shame about or something they should feel shame about. So having uncomfortable conversations is something I think we need to practice doing with our kids regularly. Maybe it's about the birds and the bees. Maybe it's about a mental health challenge of an extended family member. Finding age-appropriate ways to bring them into the conversation. Because if we don't, they're often going to be guessing and coming up with their own theories. Let's say, for example, you lost your job. And it's really upsetting to you. And you don't know what you're going to do. And you don't tell your kids, but you're very obviously impacted. Your mood is impacted. Your schedule is impacted. Everything changes. But your kids don't know what's going on because you haven't had that uncomfortable conversation with them yet. You don't want to worry them. What often happens is that they come up with their own theories. Likely they think, oh, mom must be mad at me. I must have done something wrong or I must be doing something wrong. They can attribute blame to themselves if they don't know the whole story. So even when it's uncomfortable, finding ways to loop them into conversations can be a really positive thing. Okay, so the next uncomfortable thing that comes to mind is locking up your phone. (laughs) So back in my Analog Curious episodes, the first one is simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 302. I talk about our experiment of locking up our phones. So this is incredibly uncomfortable, especially for those of us who rely on our phones for everything. But practicing locking up your phone, even if it's just for an hour at dinner time, and experiencing that discomfort is a huge opportunity for growth. We have what's called a K-safe. You can Google that. It's a kitchen safe. You set a timer on it. And whatever you put in there is inaccessible for that amount of time. So doing that, locking my phone up in front of my kids, allows them to see me get uncomfortable. And it allows me to model setting screen time limits, which, you know, as adults, we're not always great about. If being without your phone makes you feel antsy or uncomfortable, this can be a pretty simple way to experiment with getting out of your comfort zone. And it can also be a way to start a conversation with your kids to talk about your own discomfort and how you managed it and how you worked through it. So start thinking about what makes you uncomfortable and perhaps the great lengths that you go to avoid it. 
And when was the last time you intentionally got out of your comfort zone? Could it be good for you? Do you need to do it a little more often? It might actually give you some empathy for your kids. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk with you next month.